0: Also, I'd like to encourage you to follow along with your outline, and uh, that's found in your bulletin. You can uh, track along with it, okay? All right. We enter into a a portion of 1 Timothy that is a bit challenging to many of us. So... And as we start in this, uh, we're in the last half of chapter two. And so uh, it doesn't uh, take a rocket scientist or a brain surgeon to figure out that historically speaking, women, women, do I have your attention? And I'll put it this way. Historically speaking, women have been treated horribly. Men, go ahead. Amen. Amen. Now, not saying that you did the horrible treatment, but I'm just saying, in a big general way, humanity, mankind, has done a horrible job in how they've treated women. Evidence is there ever since the beginning of time and then throughout biblical times. Israel, God's people even, and then surrounding nations in that area of the world. Terrible treatment of women. It's also very evident in American history. It's sadly, sadly evident in church history. And while evil treatment of women continues today in things like sex trafficking, abuse, etc., those kinds of things. Confusion over gender roles, over sexual identity, is also very rampant. In society culture, American culture, uh, many times will point the accusing finger at the teachings of the Bible because of this problem, because of what is recorded in the Bible. And what's recorded in the Bible with Old Testament examples isn't necessarily the model that's being set up as to how to treat women. It's just that here it is. Here is how women were treated. Now, lest you men should uh, think I'm not talking to you, this passage is not just directed at women alone. This is directed at the body of believers, the church. God wants order in His household. It's God's household. And so at this particular juncture... Paul is going to address this. He wants us, you know, God wants us to study this together. But we've got to think biblically about this. A lot of times when we come to a subject like this, cultural tendencies slip in. But what about this? What about this? And so we need to understand there is a strong cultural influence when we come upon this subject for instance i left the title portraits of godly conduct in god's household because that's safe if rochelle was here she can't be here but she's uh you know with family here this weekend um granddaughter's birthday so but um i was telling her i, I got a great title for my message and she knew the passage i was dealing with she sits back like oh yeah yeah, I said, putting women in their place. <laughs> right? It's great. But see, how many of you are thinking now of what you learned growing up of the tough, you know, bravo male species saying, we'll put women in their place. No. No. That's not the issue, but you know what? It's still this passage is still about where women need to be, and all too often the cultural sway makes it sound like, you know, you 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 better zip it, woman, and don't don't you make a move. All sorts of things that come up on the radar of our minds, and it shows. A cultural uh, bent that we have, even as Christians, as to how we think about th- passages like this one, this is important, so I hope that you 'll stay with this and not kind of zone out because it 's talking about women so um, it you know part of this confusion in our thinking as believers comes from an acceptance of and an influence. From the culture that we live in. And so it's worldly thinking that we're doing battle with. And so we need biblical thinking. Okay? So we've got to go after it that way. Now, in your outline, I put point number one down there. And, and just kind of filled it in. Because this is really a review. So that we, some of you that might not have been here two weeks ago. You, you uh, do a little catch up with us. So he starts in Verse 9. And 10, with the adornment of women. Okay? The adornment of women. The adornment of women in the church, in the assembly of believers. And then to adorn themselves with proper clothing. He goes in it in that way. With proper clothing. Not to be overly... Um, to accent themselves, if you will. To accent themselves as complementing what they wear with their heart. Okay? With modesty, that's respect, reverence. So you dress in a way and complement it with modesty, an issue of the heart. Okay, And then he goes and, and says that little piece in verse 9, not with braided hair, gold or pearls or costly garments. So not with excess. That's the idea he's getting at. And that's one of the problems that they had back in the church at Ephesus. So he's dealing with this as a problem and instruction for future uh, generations of Christians to follow in, in with. So with what's proper clothing, not with what is improper, as so as to draw attention to yourself. That's the idea with the excess. And then it's with self-control, discreetly. So modesty, then self-control, discreetly, or with soundness of mind. Um, so... Then the issue of with what is proper, that's what he, he uh, brings it uh, in verse um, 10 there, verse 10 and 11. I'm sorry, in verse 10. As is proper for women making a claim to godliness. So it all comes back to this theme of what is proper and what is fitting and what is good arrangement in the household of God. Right? Now, so that's the adornment. Of women. So point number two, point number two, appointment of women, the appointment of women. Okay, now let's look at verse 11 and 12 as we get started with this portion here. Likewise, I'm sorry, in verse 11, a woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. But I do not allow a woman to to teach or exercise authority over man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who first who was first created, and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. And so it goes from... Here's the... Um, the outward appearance aspect of verse nine and ten to now the position or the appointment of where uh, women are to be seen in in the household of God. Letter A is the place of submission, the place of submission. Submission uh, needs to be defined. Um, some of you grew up in this, you know, in the 60s, and when the uh, the uh, Alarm went off or whatever. There was the drill to get under your desk. Get under your desk. Why? It was an air raid. You know, that was what it was in Minnesota when we were growing up, right? You know, an air raid or whatever, you know, okay. Get under your desk right away. Or it's an earthquake or whatever kind of drill. Get under your desk. And all you're doing is submitting yourself to the control or the protection of that desk. Okay? And that's the idea. It's... A voluntary, a voluntary one, yielding, cooperating, so to speak, okay? and it's for the purpose of learning and receiving. You see that in the verse, verse eleven: a woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. It's about receiving instruction. Is what everyone in the church is supposed to do? Yes, everyone's supposed to have that. Okay. So it's not it's not uh the issue of saying well we're you know boy this christianity thing sure picks on women. No it's just everyone's supposed to do this. He's zeroing in on women arranged in the church and then men also being discussed as we go along through this study. Okay so and it says let her do so quietly. Here we go, you know it's it's connected to Keep silent in verse 12 or remain quiet. And people think it's about zipping the mouth. Well, hasn't Paul already used the term in chapter 2? Just go back up to verse 1 and 2. Look at it. Look at verse 1 and 2 in, in chapter 2. In, first of all, urges, just for entreaties, prayers, petitions, thanksgiving for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life In all godliness and dignity. There you go. It's about having a quiet life. Okay? Tranquil, you know, that's what all of us should aspire towards. And here for the women, it's the kind of quiet that respects and honors God's leaders for His church. Okay? The point is not whether a woman says nothing, but whether she's submissive and whether she supports the authority of the men that God is called to lead and oversee the church. That's the, that's the picture. Turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Starting in verse 38. Luke 10, 38. Now, as they were traveling along... Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was, look at that, seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. There's the picture of it right there, sitting at his feet. Is that for men too? Nah. Of course it's for men. But here... Why is it that, you know, here, here it is, Martha and Mary. And obviously, Martha's scurrying about with busyness in her, in her kitchen. And she gets bothered about things that Mary's, you know, done this. So that's a picture of what we're talking about here. Now, let me ask this question Do you understand this to be God's will, not God's option? You know, this is, it's not an issue, an option. This is God's will. And, and he says in verse 12, back in First Timothy 2, verse 12, and quietly, uh, uh, or to remain quiet. That's the added part there of what we're talking about in verse 11. So re, quietly receive. And in some of the commentaries you look up and, and study this passage, some of them are saying it's opposed to being a busybody, a meddler. And now Paul was not demanding silence, but a what? A teachable spirit. And the term Peter also picks up on it for wives when he writes about it in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious, Okay. So what does it boil down to here? What, is it, what, was, uh, what seemed to be uh, an issue, the, part of the problem? I, I stated this two weeks ago at the end. It's a matter of what's uh, drawing attraction or what's a distract, distraction. And in the church, that's, that's what he was dealing with. Here's a distraction. People dressing up, you know, um, maybe there's you know some women that were causing a stink, you know, talking things up, you know, commenting about, oh why the why the elders do this, you know, kind of thing. Now, at the start of chapter two, there's the, the issue of prayer, isn't there? So rather than the here's the you know spreading gossip or, or complaints amongst other people, meddling, busybodiness, it's a matter of saying let's pray, let's pray for the, the leadership. I know, uh, the other elders know, there's plenty of things that, you know, it's like, do we have everything ironed out and, and flying in a great way? Well, I, I no, it's not going in a great way. But yet, we know God's doing His work and God's uh, using us, not just us as the elders, but using us as a body of believers here in this community. And there's wonderful stories of how God's using people in in places at work throughout Fallon, it's great. It's wonderful to hear that. So, the thing is, is it it comes back to the context, the overall context, is saying let's let's pray. Okay? So, um, that's the idea behind this these two verses, eleven and twelve. The idea is not to allow for distractions amongst the the body. Whether it's visual ones, how, how one dresses. Look at look at the gaudiness of somebody dressing like they are. Or whether it's the idea of audible ones, you know, hearing things. Oh, you know what I heard? And passing it along. So that's the the place of submission, verse 11. Letter B, the place of security. The place of security. When you are under authority, like I said earlier, there's security in that. And there's all sorts of illustrations that we have in life about that. This is about God and the expression of his will. Remember that? And so verse 12, chapter 2, he says, But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. So under the place of authority, we have the prohibition. Yes, it's a prohibition, ladies. And this is what he's saying. I do not allow, or I do not permit, a woman to teach. And this can be a little bit confusing—to teach or to exercise authority over men. What does that mean? Uh, if it means that a woman can't teach, then we got a problem with Karen Duncan. We got a problem with uh, Jenny Harrell, uh, Patty Lappin—you know those kind of things because they're what—they're teaching. And most of you understand it's because they're teaching women. They're not taking authority over the, the the body of believers, men and women. And that's the that's the that's the connection there. I don't allow or I don't permit for a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Now, why do I say that? Okay. I think it's. Uh, turn over a page in 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 17 1 Timothy 5:17 what does it say the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching you connect those two and what does it say well women aren't supposed to take that authority that position that exercise that kind of a thing okay so it's exactly what the elders are called to do, but not women. And that's within the sphere of the church. Okay? Women are not to be an elder in the church. The, the proof is given, and the proof is in the, the pattern. If you're filling in the blanks there in your outline, the proof is in the pattern. Verse 13, 4. Here's the answer. 4. It was Adam who, first was, uh, who was first created, and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. So he starts with order of creation first in verse 13. Adam was formed first, then Eve. That's the part of God's design to lead and to protect. So that's a matter of, you know, well, um, that was the created order. God made Adam... Then later on, formed Eve. Okay? And there's, there's order there. And, and thus, uh, and then it goes on to say, and Eve was deceived. That's another uh, important reasoning. And where is he going to get this? He's, he's using scriptural references, so to speak. He's going to scripture with this argument, if you will. He's going back to Genesis and saying, here's, here's the understanding behind this. So, who did Satan approach first? As the serpent, who did he approach first? He approached the woman, Eve. And Eve was deceived. Now it gets. It, here's a point that we we kind of in in previous times and in probably I'm sure future times. You know, you kind of pick on the women because of that. Oh, well, the woman you gave me, right? You know that whole line. And it was the woman who was deceived. Well, I have a question, men. So where was Adam at this point? And what does it imply about Adam, men? When it came time, Eve gave the, the fruit to Adam. Was Adam deceived? No! This is, it's important to understand. Yes, the woman was deceived. That's the main point of the passage there. The woman was deceived. But Adam was there, and Adam just walked right into it, eyes wide open. Okay, Now, this is, this is what we would say is an act of rebellion. Eve was deceived. Okay, And that, by the way, most of you know this. Some of you need to hear this. That form of strategy for deception is still what Satan uses to trip you up, male or female. Oh, look! Look at this. Doesn't this look good? And don't, think about this. Wouldn't this be cool? You know, your your status. You know, all that came up. And does God really know? Come on, really? Causing doubt. So we we've got to understand that part, that piece of it there. So, a lot of times we race over that, failing to see the fact that Adam was there, eyes wide open. He took of the fruit. He was not deceived. He was there. He sinned out of rebellion. Now, another part of this understanding, because some of you might not, you know, want to even be uh, loaded down with this. But I'm going to give a little bit of it to you here, okay? And that is this. There's a pattern the the proof is in the pattern in regards to this prohibition. And the pattern is, it's God's sovereign design to be this way. The big cry nowadays is, everyone's equal. Everyone. We're created equal in the sight of God. Yes, we are. There's equality, but it's not across the board. It, it, there, well, it's, it is across the board. The, the issue is a matter of difference. Equal yet different. Equal yet different. That's one of the helpful phrases that keeps coming to mind when we try and understand this issue. Do you understand about why this is the way it is? You know, women, you remain quiet. Why he uh, uh, states it this way and is specific that way? It goes back to not just creation. That's our second sub-point under God's sovereign design. But the first one is it's it's within the Godhead. It's within the Godhead. Now what I mean by that is we worship God. Yet He's what? Three in one. He's a three in one God. And there is order and submission within the Godhead. It's not just... Uh, God the Father does whatever He wants and God the Son does whatever He wants and God the Spirit does whatever He wants. It's it's not random like that. There's order. Jesus submitted to what? The will of the Father. So there's that understanding there and on that goes. It's built into the mystery of the Godhead. It's a relationship of authority and submission. Now authority and submission tracks into, here's the example of creation. creation, order and submission, equal yet different. And then it goes right into the issue of family, Ephesians 5. Same principle shows up there. Okay, now it's not a matter of the men are better than the women that's not it at all so some of most of you understand but for for instance younger people you have to understand it's not a matter of well males are superior than females no that's not it it's not a matter of inferiority and superiority it's equal different okay so it it goes that way it, those things are seen in the godhead in creation, in the family, and thus in the church. It's in the church. It's a picture of... uh, The picture of the church is... Here's the husband. Who's the husband in the church? Jesus. Who's the bride? We, we, We are the bride. Okay? And that's the way it is. Here it is in the family. Okay? However, God's design... in our culture, is rejected and replaced with man's selfish distortions. And that's what it is. And that's what we see. We see all sorts of uh, things surfacing in in our day more and more because there's distortion, sinful distortion to God's creation, God's design. It's evidenced in deep-seated mindsets, in worldviews, philosophies. Male, it used to be, you don't hear this word much anymore, but male chauvinism. That's the problem. You know, male chauvinism. But you know what? There's another part of the problem for males, and that is male absenteeism. Uh, guys will say it this way. You, you know, it's it's a... It's a boy that can shave. You get that? It's a boy who can shave. There's male absenteeism. He's not growing up into a man. He's still being a, a boy. Immaturity reigns in so many families today because men don't grow up. Well, lest I just pick on the men here, there's another side to it, ladies. And it's, uh, women's rights that you, it used to be. Women's rights. And now it's more uh, known as, here's feminism. Feminism. And it and it's easily, easily spills into the church. Why? A couple of factors. Number one, men won't take charge and lead. Take charge is not the best way to say it, but men won't stand up to lead like they ought to. Men don't know the word of God like women know the word of God. Those are general statements okay generally speaking, but men are found lacking in knowing the word of God, and so therefore women you know tend to rise to the occasion there and say you yeah, I'll, I'll take charge of this i'll I'll teach this and again it's not wrong for a woman to teach, but if that's going to be the Here's the consistent, continual pattern. She's taken authority and she's exercising authority over men. And that's what Paul is saying. No, that's that's the prohibition. So, you know, think about authority and submission for a moment here. Authority and submission are critical to our lives. Many of you are in the military. Or you've been in the military and you get it. Yeah, authority and submission is, is not a matter of saying, oh, I'm not as good as so-and-so. I'm, I'm not their equal. Oh, in, the, in, in things like the military, you know, everyone's needed. No, it's not inferiority or superiority. So, this is the idea that it's all based on God's design from the beginning. This order was not established, by the way, because of sin and because of the fall. Follow that? Oh, um, well. There's the fall, and now here's here's the business of you know uh, where women ought to be, you know, equal uh, in 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 all cases to you know where males are. Well, that's been one of the problems since the fall. But God created it this way. It was established from for the good of creation, for the home, for the church, and for God's good pleasure all to reflect more of his glory. Okay. So, we come to see, okay, here's the appointment of women. It's a, it's a place of submission, a place of security, and now, let letter see place of steadfastness. This is actually one of the toughest verses in the New Testament to uh, understand, to interpret. Because there's so many views on what, what it's saying. Look at this with me. But women, plural, but women will be persevered or preserved, I'm sorry, preserved through the bearing of children if they, have, if they continue in the faith and love, sanctity and with self-restraint. All sorts of different renditions on this. You know, and what seems to be obvious is this does not mean she will be saved eternally made right with god through childbearing how could that be you women if that were the case you'd be like okay here we go again (laughs) that's not it that's not it at all but some people think that okay no that's not the case um you know some would say, well, it means they'll be kept safe through childbearing, but then you you might say but but but, but, but I know someone that died in childbearing. you know they died when they gave birth, so what's the deal? I think a lot of this comes down to and th- there's probably more that could be thrown out to say here's here's different interpretations, and it's important that we understand i I think th- that what we see here is Paul teaching that women prove the reality of their salvation. Okay, You look at that again. Women will be preserved through the bearing of children and that's not just delivery of, that's being a mom. Okay? You say, well, I don't have children. I probably never will have children or whatever it might be. But still, the, what's next? What comes next? He's saying, if they continue in faith. Love and holiness is, is the word there, sanctity, with self-control. So, when, you know, it's the idea of modeling. What's being modeled, it's about, you know, here's the good deeds uh, that follow Faith, love, holiness indicates the lifestyle of a woman. It's going to demonstrate whether or not her confidence is in the salvation of the Lord. All of this builds, it's supposed to build, it's designed to build a harmony and a complement to the church. And it's designed so that, you know, there's there's not a, a lowered status like so many of you might remember or recall in earlier years, it's not supposed to bring that at all, of a Somewhat of a, here's a lowered status for women. But certainly that's the way it has been in the past. And that's a part of man's sinful tendency. So, the gender debate. Okay? Obviously, God says it's important enough so that we take time to understand it. It's about being equal. Yet different. Um, I want to refer you to a couple of books that I brought up here. Um, one is obviously a nice, uh, skinnier, more slender book, something that you can read pretty quickly. Um, this one is called Equal Yet Different A Study of the Biblical Passages on Gender by Alexander Strauch. And then the other one is uh, more of a college book uh, textbook. And this one is Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And it's edited by John Piper and Wayne Grudem. And so th- this is written by... Uh, it's got different uh, um, articles that have been submitted by different authors. Both of these books are very clear and very helpful in this issue that um, maybe it's in the past that you, you saw it uh, more vivid. Um, And we want to, you know, do our best here at saying, here's how God wants His household set up. And remember, you know, center stage, highlighted above all, is Jesus. And as we close our time here, male or female, when you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, there is no male or female, is there? And yet, at the same time, in church order, in family order, there is an equal yet different role that must be put into place. Okay, And so we need to do that. Why? We, we are a people that want to glorify Jesus Christ. It's not just a, a duty... To just show up Sunday after Sunday, well we got to do it again here 's our duty no it 's about learning and growing so that we might glorify Christ in our lives, in our families, and in our church it 's about god 's will god 's will or his church so um, again there's I know that there 's much more involved, especially like in verse fifteen that you know you might have questions on, but again. Um, I mentioned it already, there's, there's a lot of different varying issues behind it. And I say this, if you have uh, concerns or questions, please you know, come by and, and set up an appointment. We want to talk about it. Um, and, and try and come to an understanding about this. Okay? So, the the place of women... Is not to uh, lower them. The place of women is to uh, exalt them in the proper place. And then we'll get to the men as we carry on in the study. Chapter three. It'll be uh, here we go, talking about men growing in leadership. And here's men uh, considered as elders in the in the congregation. All right. Well. Um, Let's ask God for his blessing and then we'll uh, get going for the day. All right? Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful picture that you paint in your word. And I I know, dear Lord, that so many of us have allowed different pictures to uh, be uh, uh, moved in and uh, be placed in significant uh, places in our minds and the picture that you give us, Lord, is your from your from who you are and from creation and for your your design, Lord we know that uh, sin has crippled and distorted in so many deep ways. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who um, humbly come to you and receive your instruction just as it's mentioned here, dear Lord that we would be receiving instruction with entire submissiveness in our hearts. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for how You treated women. And thank You, Lord, that You, you didn't uh, go along with the, the cultural uh, thing of the day. Thank You, Lord, for Your love for women. Thank you for the many examples of of women being right there at the resurrection. Lord, we want to be tracing with that in our own lives to be quick to be near you. To be at your feet. Receiving your instruction. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that even though this world is all mixed up and turned around and perverted... We thank you that you reign supreme still. We want to lift you up and honor you in our lives. Help us with that, we pray. Lord, as we close, I just want to pray for Georgia. You would calm her heart. Help her in this surgery tomorrow. Pray that it would be a success. And Lord, I lift up Scott Duncan to you also. Pray that you would please help him as he... Uh, continues on through this presentation, helping, Lord, to gain in confidence and momentum with it and do well with it. And then, Father, as we close it here, please help us to be always ready to pray, always ready to turn to You and trust in You. How great You are. How wonderful You are. Help us, we pray, as we move along in this day, in this week. We thank You in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.